We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back in on Hit and Run on the Score. Barry Rosner, Joe Ostrowski with you until noon. This hour is brought to you by Four Winds Casino. Right now, it's time to go out to the Score Hotline where we're joined by Sports Illustrated senior baseball writer Tom Verducci. Longtime writer, longtime broadcaster. You can frequently see him on the MLB Network and on Fox. Right now, you can hear him on Hit and Run. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. How you doing? We're doing great. So let's see. You had uh, you were in New York Friday. You had the Cubs last night. Uh, you have what do you have Tuesday? Astros Yankees. Astros at the Yankees. Yeah, I got that one. And next weekend I got uh, the Indians at the Twins. All, All right, good ne- games. So Tuesday is MLB Network, correct? Right, and then Saturday is Fox. Who do you who do you have Tuesday? Costas. Uh, yes, Bob Costas, John Smoltz, and I think uh, it's Charlie Morton against CC Sabathia. Very nice. You know what? Let's start right there. The the uh, the stuff that's going on in Tampa, of course, is drawing a lot of headlines. Everyone's having a very good time with it. Brian Kenny is losing his mind, <laughs> and meanwhile, I don't know about you, Tom, and Mad Dog, but and and Mad Dog, of course, <laughs> is always losing his mind. But if it's me, Tom, uh, I'll I'll start with Verlander. Um, Cole and Morton, if it's okay with you. But um, where do you think this is going? Is this is this merely because the Rays just don't really have anything else they can do at this point? Yeah, listen, they're doing the right thing. I get it. But, you know, if you're trying to extrapolate this to the future of baseball, I don't think that's the case. Um, you know, they're doing this out of necessity. It makes sense. I, you know, I don't think it's necessarily fan-friendly, if you will. Uh, and also, you have a team like the Angels with Mike Sosha, who's very intractable as a manager, who keeps running up his all right-handed top of the lineup, and that's really feeding into the hands of the Rays to do something like sure. that. Um, so, you know, I understand it, it's intriguing, it's sort of cutting edge, but I don't think we'll see a ton of it. Uh, it's not the future of baseball. I have it. I don't like it, and I say it's not fan friendly because a big part of baseball for me is the starting pitcher. And I understand, you know, relief pitching is taking over the game. But when you and I, you know, want to figure out, okay, who's playing who? The first thing you look at is who are the starting pitchers, right? You know, what other sport has that position where the promotion of the game, you know, in the morning's paper or online tells you at a certain position, these are the two guys who are going to literally put on a platform for you. And we're sort of losing that, you know, those marquee starting pitchers. I mean, I, I haven't checked recently, but I checked early in the season. The last time we had two starting pitchers go out and still be in the game in the eighth inning was last July. Oh my God. I mean, the pitchers wow. duel is dying. The marquee starting pitchers dying. We still have a bunch, don't get me wrong. Um, but it's not like you have two or three on every staff anymore. You think that's hurting baseball a lot right now? Um. I will tell you this. I don't think it's hurting the fan experience at the ballpark. Um, but I, I think in certain degrees it does hurt in terms of viewership or just following a game. And it's more it's more about the parade of relief pitchers that come in the game, right? 
Um, listen, if you know that Kershaw is pitching, you know that Bumgarner is pitching, Verlander, you really there's a little bit of an extra incentive to watch the game and to see if your team can hang in there with them for seven or eight innings. And if it becomes you know five and fly, and then you've got five relief pitchers, four relief pitchers covering the last twelve outs of the game, you know the casual fan doesn't know a lot of those guys. Maybe the closer you might know. So. I, this faceless parade of guys throwing 97, 98 slows the game down, suffocates offense, uh, diminishes comebacks. And to that degree, I would say, yes, that, that does harm, I think, the fan experience. What did you learn about the Chicago National League Ball Club after being in town for the last, uh, what, 18 hours probably? Yeah, well, probably what you guys have seen for two months here, that the starting pitching just isn't good enough right now. I mean, with, with uh, Darvish going on the DL, maybe there's a clue here to what's been wrong. Um, Chatwood's your five guy, so I'm not saying he should be a short thing. He certainly should be better in terms of being a strike thrower. Uh, and Quintana is a mystery to me. I, I put it this way. When you send Darvish and Quintana to the mound, you shouldn't be sweating bullets. You know, do I have a rested bullpen? Can they get lineups out the third time around? There has to be more reliability with pitchers of that level, and then just not getting it at all. Uh, and just looking at the numbers, and I know we talked about this on the broadcast last night, the game turns third-time around lineups. Most pitchers do have trouble third-time around. But Darvish and Contenta shouldn't be most pitchers. And right now, in their bottom 10 in baseball in terms of slugging the third-time around the lineup. And you know, the Cubs lead the league in walk percentage. That shouldn't happen. A lot of us chat with Darvish, Quintana. So, talking to Joe yesterday, Madden, you know, he made it quite clear. Listen, the only time you get on a roll is when your rotation turns over, you know, on a roll itself. doesn't mean you're throwing two hitters every time, but reliability. And they don't have reliability right now, three out of every five starts. Yeah, especially with Chatwood, the walks are just uh, just been awful. Just about everybody way up in walks uh, so far this year. We're, we're at what around the fifty game mark. Any teams that have pretty good records that you think could be actual pretenders? Well, I look at the NL East, right? Um, Philadelphia and Atlanta to me better than I thought. Now I thought Philadelphia was going to be good. I you know hanging around them in spring training, I saw a lot of energy. Uh, really good depth of position players, young players getting into their primes. And, and then the area addition late really helped them. I think they may be like Milwaukee last year, where maybe they surprised some people and people expected them to, to fall away. And they really didn't until the end of the season, where, okay, maybe lack of depth caught up with the Brewers late last year. but And that may be the case with Philadelphia this year, but... You could see Milwaukee last year start to believe the more the season went on that they really were this good. Um, and I think the case could be the same with Philadelphia and Atlanta. So, you know, a lot of people talked to, and I hate the word tanking, they talked about all the teams tanking this year, and people would throw Atlanta and Philadelphia under that umbrella. And they're much better than people thought. And I think that's a real race. And I thought the Nationals, who had pretty open path to the postseason, they're in a dogfight, and I think they know that as well. So those two teams stand out for me that they're not they're not flukes. I think they're going to be in it for six months. It's May 27th. There's always a lot of overreaction to uh, the first month of the season. We're almost two months in. Are you starting to get a feel for how the National League is going to play out now that maybe the Nationals, despite all their injuries, are, are playing better baseball? They're getting great starting pitching. 
Um, the Dodgers have managed to hang around in a, in a terrible division, and you have the Cubs sort of just playing mediocre baseball. Do you have a feel yet for how this is going to play out? Yeah, and I, I think you're right to point out that National League West is much worse than I think we anticipated. And I'm, I'm not sure it's going to get much better. I mean, obviously the Giants and the Dodgers are happy it's turned out this way because Arizona looked like they might open up some room there. But, I mean, they have not hit at all. I have no clue what's wrong with Paul Goldschmidt, but I've never seen such a great hitter. And he is a great hitter. Is he hurt? Hitter. You, you think he's hurt? I, you know, I don't know. It makes me think when I see someone who's that good and that consistent look this bad, and I'm talking about watching him hit. Yeah. It's not tracking baseballs. The swing doesn't look the same. It makes you think there must be a reason for it. You know, everybody has slumps, but this is very deep and very long, very unusual to see that. So it's kind of taking the heart and soul out of that team because they, they need them so much. So, yeah, that path is open for the Dodgers to get back in this thing, and it wouldn't shock me if they do wind up winning the division as bad as they started the season. Um, and, yeah, I think, it's, I think the Central is a great race. Uh, I'm still not sold on Pittsburgh being there in September, but – I absolutely love the Cardinals' young starting pitching. They will stay in it because their arms are just amazing, uh, and that's without Carlos Martinez lately. And they're, they're going to be on. They're going to be a tough out for a lot of teams because of their starting pitching will keep them in games. Milwaukee's for real. I think we know that. The Cubs are for real. We know that. Like I said, I'm not sold on Pittsburgh, but now you're talking about races in all three divisions where I think there's three teams capable of winning divisions that that should be really good in september when it comes to not just divisions but wild cards he's tom verducci senior baseball writer for sports illustrated works for the mlb network and fox his next game is tuesday night astros and yankees that's a beauty tom what does it tell you when you see uh, two players pop for 80 game suspension in two weeks well it tells you that PEDs will always be with us. You know, the idea that we have testing doesn't mean they've eradicated PEDs. It means we've just, you know, put up a barrier, when it used to be none, um, to make guys think about it. And when they're careless about beating the test, that's when they get caught. You know, when these guys get popped, it's not as if that was the first time they did it and they had the unfortunate luck to get nabbed that first time. You know, a lot of things that guys use these days and they can flush out of their system really within 24 hours. It's amazing what the science, how the science has evolved. And, yeah, there's always a special money in the game and center for guys to find a way to stay strong, uh, get an edge, and they get away with it for a while, and sometimes they mess up in the timing of what they're doing to beat the chest. And I think that was the case here. You know, Robinson Cano's test went back um, to the offseason uh, during his training period. I'm not sure when Castillo's test was taken, but um we'll see more you can guarantee that um you know i like the fact though that in the case of robinson cano you're talking about one of the true stars of the game and you know when that test is taken you know that vial doesn't care it doesn't even know whose name is on it It doesn't care how many all-star games you played in how big of a star you are um i think it's good for the game once in a while to have a star go down like that feel bad for robinson cano um, but just in terms of a disincentive for people that, yeah, there is a very strict test out there. It's not catching everybody, but it's catching enough. What is the answer for the Yankees pitching? It's a good question. You know, I was talking with that with some scouts and baseball people because they're so deep right now, um, not just on the major league level, but, you know, offensively they have just so many weapons and, and more coming. That I think, you know, as you get to July, you know, I think, 
the Yankees' question will be, can we get a starting pitcher who's going to match up against Houston's starting pitchers when you get to the first three games of postseason series? Severino, I think, can match up with anybody. On his best day, he can even beat a Verlander. But you get beyond that, and you're talking about, you know, Morton and Cole, the Yankees don't have an arm who can keep them in a the game for five, six innings the way those guys can do. So who is that guy who's out there? I don't see it right now, to be honest with you guys. I, I know there's some talk that, you know, Bumgarner who drew last night for the Giants, and he'll be back in the big leagues and two more rehab starts. Maybe the Giants, you know, want to put him out there. I don't see that happening. Um, I thought Cueto might have been that guy, but he's just too far away from coming back and helping someone. Um, we'll talk about Cole Hamels. He's, to me, not that kind of a guy at this point in his career. So I'm not sure what that option is. a great question. It wouldn't surprise me if they tried to get a big young arm from somebody's system, uh, a developing arm somewhere. Um, but uh, I do think they'll turn over every rock to make sure with this team they have, which might score a 1,000 runs, has enough starting pitching to get through Houston. This is purely hypothetical, obviously, but w- what you hear from San Francisco is that they're not moving Bumgarner. It's just not going to happen. Right. With Given the Yankees' stable, and it, as you said, it is very, very deep, do you think there's even a slim chance they could be talked into it? I guess there's always a chance. Um, you know, that, that price obviously would be astronomical. Do the Yankees want to pay $1.50 on a dollar? Um, Maybe, I don't know, but um, I do think, you know, as much as the Giants, you know this, the Giants have been really good about embracing their stars, right? They, you know, extended people like Belt and Crawford and Posey, uh, Bumgarner, another one. Um, their fan base falls in love, and rightly so, with guys who won World Series, and, and they hang on. They're a very loyal group when it comes to that. So I think there's probably a very, very small chance, because we've seen too many trades happen that, we didn't think would happen, but I would not expect that. The Yankees or Red Sox are going to get one shot. They're going to get stuck in that wild card game. Do you think Manfred is ever going to look at adjusting the uh, playoff system again? Nope. I think this is this system works really, really well, and I like it as well. See, the problem, I know managers, and you make a good point that it's those teams are two of the best, two of the three best in the league, and one is facing a one and done after winning. You know, both those teams might win a hundred games. I like the fact that you know we have that excitement. You start the postseason with that one and done game. You know that March Madness kind of feel to it. Right now, I think we already have an, too big of an inventory of non-decisive postseason games. People really, really like when it's a game five in the DS or a game seven in the LCS in the World Series. Um, to ask them to tune into more non-decisive games and extend that month of playoff baseball in three-and-a-half, four-hour games longer, that is simply just not happening. And uh, I think they're real happy with it, and the ratings show it, that those those wild-card games do really well, and they're exciting games. So bottom line is go win your division. you got 162 games to stay out of that game. You have nothing to complain about if you wind up going home after one as a wild-card team. Tom, you know Matt Harvey pretty well. You've written about him many times over the years. What happened to him? I, you have to start with the physical injuries. I, you know, I know a lot, especially the tabloids in New York, have been written about off the field and his approach and some bad decisions he's made. But the fact is he's had Tommy John surgery and he's had thoracic outlet surgery, two major, major surgeries. Not too many guys have come back from that. both of those. Chris Carpenter, Jaime Garcia. 
Um, other guys just never really got back. And they, looking back on it, the way that Matt Harvey throws, you know, his mechanics are not especially clean. And once he broke down, he just has never gotten even close to having the fastball that he had when he first came up and could bully people with, you know, upper 90s velocity and great life on the ball. And you look at the metrics on his fastball, and they've declined every single year. And it ain't coming back, not with the way that he throws. He has to really, I think, change the way that he throws, uh, both in terms of mechanics and how he uses his pitches. He can't be the same Matt Harvey, and he won't be when he first came up. Um, so I really do believe that it begins, most of it is certainly with his mechanics and the injuries. And I think he still has enough guys that there's some more in the tank here, but not at the front of anybody's rotation. What's something we should be watching uh, with baseball's involvement with sports gambling getting legalized across this country? It's going to be a slow by. It's going to be a slower process, but we're going to see more and more states every single year. And Manfred has been behind it. He's been outspoken, and he's been more outspoken than any other commissioner about the integrity fee. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's a matter of two things to watch for. One is you know how much do the leagues work hand in hand with this. You know, that they embrace each other in terms of coming up with whatever standards, uh, industry standards might be applicable here. Uh, and the other thing is that I do think deep down baseball sees this as a, a revenue growth stream. Uh, the trick will be doing it the right way, but I do think because baseball has such tremendous content, because, you know, as far as the numbers go, there's no other sport that gives, I think, that dovetails with gambling. I know it's not considered a great gambling sport, but when you talk about odds and statistics and number of games and opportunities to just be engaged with a game as it's playing, that's what I'm talking about, like mm-hmm. real, real-time gambling, not just, you know, hey, what's the line for the game tonight? You know, what's the next pitch going to be? What's the outcome of this next at-bat going to be? I think that's the future, and I'm not saying that's a major revenue growth in terms of, Everybody's going to watch a game that way. But it's something that I think baseball will eventually tap into as an industry. And, and as I said, maybe they partner with the NFL and the NBA so that there's um, sort of a, an industry-wide thinking about how to go about it. Tom, uh, before we let you go, I wanted to ask you about the baseball study that was released this week. Anything about it stand out to you? Anything believable to you or unbelievable to you? Uh, <laughs> I, I, and I'll specifically reference the the uh, them suggesting that there's no difference in the seams when every single pitcher you talk to says the seams are different. Yeah, well, first of all, I will give them credit. It does seem to be a very independent group that came up with this study, and they did take, you know, literally months, starting from last offseason after the World Series last year. So I don't discount the effort that went into it, and I like the fact that they at least acknowledged that Something's going on here. The balls are carrying more than they did, and that began the second half of 2015. So they couldn't tell us what we were seeing was like we we're not seeing reality. We've all seen balls carry more. Mm-hmm. A little disappointed that they're not able to say why. I mean, they ruled out launch angle. They ruled out atmospheric conditions. They ruled out the composition of the baseball. Well, obviously, it has to be the baseball, right? Right. Um, you may be onto something with the themes. My thinking all along has been that manufacturing has improved so much that the balls now are more uniform, that they are more perfectly round. I think it comes down to that. That's just my uneducated opinion on it. As far as the scenes go, it was interesting. I was talking to uh, Rich Hill of the L.A. Dodgers. You guys obviously know him from Chicago. Sure. 
And, and he asked about those scenes specifically because he's had a lot of blister problems. And he said, baseball still must be hand-sewn in terms of those scenes because that last stitch has to be buried within the baseball, and they still haven't figured out a way to automize that. So you will see difference in scenes simply because it's the human element, right? You have all different people who are actually applying the scene to the baseball. Yep. Um, I happen to think that they're a little bit tighter, but I think maybe the ball itself, as I said, with manufacturing, with the leather is tighter. So I do a couple of things they've done here, guys. As you know, this year, this is the first year they've actually standardized storage of baseballs. The baseballs must be kept inside uh, climate-controlled rooms in all 30 ballparks. Before, you could store your baseballs anywhere you wanted. You know, you could store them outside in a loading dock someplace or uh, in a hot room. Now at least it has to be in an air-conditioned room. Uh, we'll see if they go to all humidors. They'll see after this season, after the, the data comes back, whether they need to go to all humidors. We have two right now in Arizona and Denver. I like the fact that there is more attention paid to how the baseballs are stored in terms of standardizing it. And we'll see if they go ahead forward with the, the tackier baseball, which they've tried in spring training on a limited basis, which they use in Japan. I love that idea. Um, so at least they're addressing the issue, and I think now at least we know that the that something has been up with the baseball. They didn't actually answer that question, but they acknowledged that something has been up with the baseball since 2015. Tom, thanks for your time. Always appreciated. Always a wealth of information. And uh, we'll talk to you again this summer sometime. Great. Sounds good, guys. Thanks. Have a great weekend. You thanks, too. Tom. Tom Verducci from Sports Illustrated, the Fox Network, and uh, the MLB Network. See him frequently on games. The ball is definitely different. The study... Almost raised more questions than it answered. I don't believe that the seams haven't changed. Every pitcher I talk to says they have. And who holds them every single day? Oh, they know if there's the slightest change. Listen to Jake Arrieta, Chris Basio last year. They talked about it many, many times. They also acknowledged that the 538 study on the baseball being different in terms of composition. They acknowledged it. They said yes. But then said there's no noticeable Difference in terms of how it flies because of that. Wait, that, wait, that wait, just, wait, 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 wait. You mean the sport that is saying that they want an integrity fee <laughs> is admitting they've changed the baseball? Don't get me started on the integrity <laughs> fee. I've got. Oh, I've got. I, I don't know if you saw this because I feel. On, I feel on. if you saw it that you would have said something to me. Hang on to it. You yeah. can tell me about it. We got to take a break. Uh, there, there's so uh, your guy Rob Manfred. We'll get to him. We'll get to back to the Cubs conversation. And there's lots of White Sox stuff to do. And those of you on hold, sorry that you've been on hold as long as you have. We'll get to you next here on Hit and Run on the Score. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You've why are you trying to win? Why is Tampa trying to win a game? I mean, you go out there, you'd be competitive. You'd be competitive. You'd try. That team stinks. This team's going nowhere. Yeah, but they have if- no fan. They have no fan base. They have no stadium. They are twenty-one and twenty-three. They're thirty games behind. Hold on. Hold on. They're twenty-one and twenty-three. Wait, wait, wait. They're twenty-one and twenty-three. So I know yeah, they traded away. everybody away, but they're competitive. And guess what? So what? This helps them Let be a competitive. Let a young kid pitch. Let a yeah. young kid pitch. You got. What's he is a young kid. Doing? Ryan. Why you- are Welcome back in on Hit and Run on the Score. Joe Ostrowski, Barry Rosner with you until noon. That was Mad Dog Russo and Brian Kenny arguing. 
during uh, Russo's show one day this week. Every day I realize more and more that you are aligned with Russo on just about everything. That is just not true. Yes, no, it is true, actually. Need it's legal advice by a reputable nice. attorney? Send questions you want answered Same to cbschicago.com slash legal advice. And look online for free legal Fridays with Horowitz, Horowitz, and Associates. That's cbschicago.com slash legal advice. They're both actually really good. Well, you hate, what, you what, hate both of them. Yes, I do. Uh, but they're both good at what they do. They're, they're both, they both troll, and they both draw a lot of interest because of it, because those who are on Russo's side love his show and will watch it, and those who uh, believe only in metrics and nothing else love to watch him. It's just like politics. People watch Fox News or they watch CNN or MSNBC, whatever it is. Because they just get what they want to get and nothing else, right. and no other side. Right, MSNBC, yeah. For Where that, you yeah. know, whereas the other shows on the network, they're they're more balanced. They look at everything. They try to take in all points of view and like this and try show. To, and try to understand. We try to. Ryan Stanick, who started for Tampa yesterday, was yeah. one of the you know one of the you know one of the relievers, their short relievers in this program. Uh, obviously named after Ryan Sandberg. And played for Ryan Sandberg's nephew, Jared Sandberg, in the Tampa system. Oh, wow. A couple of years ago. I was talking to Jared Sandberg about it. The kid was throwing 100 miles an hour then, 102 sometimes. I don't know what he's capable of now. I just know this. There's no Jordan I mean, Hicks. I mean, look. Uh, yeah, wow. <laughs> look, if you had good starting pitching, you'd start, you'd start those guys, right? I mean, if you're the Houston Astros, do you, do you like having – Verlander and Cole and Morton and Keuchel and McCullers and uh, McCullers. Yeah, let's talk about every great pitcher in baseball, sure. Talk about that for a sec. Yeah, (laughs) talk about that for a sec. But I also believe, and I don't know if it's going to work, I also believe what they're doing is the right thing. Try try something different. Well, they're in a they, posi- they walked into the st- season without five starters. Yeah, they're in a position where they can try anything. Sure, I don't have a problem with it. it and they're never going to win that division. No, for a long not, time. Not now. Not ever. Maybe not ever. <laughs> and not until they move somewhere else and get themselves a real ballpark. No, it's never going to happen. But it's just not sustainable because you just you know there's a there's only so many bullets in an arm. And there's only so many times you can ask a guy to do the same thing day after day after day. Simply not sustainable. You see it year after year. The guys who get abused eventually pay a huge price for it. Look at Andrew Miller. I mean, he has absolutely fallen apart. And who was more valuable than he was two years ago? But you're asking Roman to go one, one and a third. They were asking Andrew Miller in intense situations to go multiple innings, a bunch of different times. So how and many, then, oh, Francona's reinventing the game. How many times a week do you think you could ask a guy like Romo to do what he's doing? Well, are you going to get a few different guys to do that? And Now, you also, my, you're, you're, also, you're also, if you're doing this under the assumption that you then have someone who can come in and give you six good ones. And it worked yesterday. Yeah. It's just... You know, how often is it going to work? And how often do the Cubs have a guy that they're paying a lot of money come in and give you five good innings? It hasn't happened a whole lot this season outside of your two guys at the top of the rotation. I, I'm just I'm just watching it. I don't have a strong opinion. They're doing a horrible thing. They're doing a great thing. It seems like most people talking about this so far on one side of the aisle. I'm not. I'm, I'm just watching. And I, I wonder, usually, okay, your, your opposing team 
is putting their best hitters at the top of the lineup. And that's what you see, and that's what your first inning guy is going to go against. And usually the best pitchers on your team, that's what we're used to, maybe it's not the case anymore, are your starting pitchers. Is Romo a top five pitcher on your staff? Honestly. On that staff? Yeah. Uh, if he is, you're doing the right thing. Yeah, no, he's not. I mean, he's he's really not. He's you sure? It's <laughs> a pretty bad they staff. They don't have anybody left. Well, well, if he is, then you got a really bad staff. Well, they do. And if you you know, if you're doing it, it's because you have a really bad staff. Look, I'm I'm open to the suggestion. I'm open to any ideas. The state of pitching, given what it is, which you've created, by the way, because you don't train pitchers to th- to throw 140 pitches anymore. You don't train them to throw nine innings anymore. You've done this. As an, five in- plus. as an industry, you have created this. So you better start looking for new ways of doing things. I don't have any problem with a new idea. Yeah. I just don't believe that it's sustainable because I don't believe you have enough arms. I think it's a better idea than bullpenning. I think it's a better idea than you go one, you go two, you go one, you go two. That, much better, unless they're changing roster construction. If what you're saying is, I'm still going to have a guy who's going to give me five or six, it's just I'm not going to start with him? Correct. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care how you do that. But if you're telling me, and this is the Brian Kenny thing, he wants he wants nine pitchers to pitch every I single know. day. That's not happening. It's insane. Okay, change you the just, rosters, you, and then you can have that conversation. If you had 100 healthy pitchers, major league pitchers, I'm not talking about in your system. If you had 100 healthy pitchers who could pitch in the big leagues, then you can pitch nine pitchers every day. Because you're going to need them all. And you're going you're gonna to need a, a, an extra orthopedic surgeon on staff. And come up with every advantage that you can if you're a team like this. And you have so many games against the Red Sox, against the Yankees. You've got the Astros in the American League. Look how much better the AL is compared to the National League. So if your opponent is now thinking, well, how do we combat this? Maybe you get your opponent to move their best hitters down a little bit to go against the second starter who's going to pitch the bulk of the game. Then you have maybe a handedness advantage. Maybe you have something. Now they're moving their better hitters down a little bit to go against what you're doing. Yeah, if you if you can mess with somebody, yeah. get them to do something like that, Sure, then why not? I think your point is this. You asked if he's one of their best five guys. Because if you had somebody better, that's what you would do. I mean, Justin Verlander's your best pitcher. You want him facing the top of the order as many times as possible, right? Rather than Rather than anybody else on the staff, because he's your best pitcher. What's your take on that? Who's <laughs> your second best pitcher? It's Garrett Cole. So you, all right. So they don't have guys in another part of the staff that they would rather have. Correct? The Houston Astros. Yeah. Right? So you you, okay. you have Archer and Blake Snell and what? And what? Not even that crazy about Archer at this point. But of course, he's one of their best. Yeah. Blake Snell could yeah, be. Blake Snell could be really good. He could be, but on you know, this is such a mess. What a waste! What a waste of a franchise! What a waste of a franchise that has become. Uh, listen, Joe, I'm open to suggestions and to new ideas, but the the simple fact is, your best pitcher pitches as much as you can pitch him. Right? Isn't that what the Indians did with with uh, Andrew Miller? Isn't that what they did at that point? Basically, yeah. yeah. All right, so the reality is 
the Rays just don't have a lot. So they're they're throwing stuff up against the wall. And so far, it's working pretty good for them. Okay, here's what I'm asking, though. But, but if you had five better guys, you, you wouldn't be doing that. Of course. But what we're used to, what we've seen where our entire lives in baseball is the best pitchers are your starters, and then the failed starters mm-hmm. go to the bullpen. You see yep. if you can just get something. Maybe that ends up being what Carson Fulmer is at some point. I'm wondering in 2018, is this still the case? Your four to five best pitchers, everybody on your roster, are your starters. I don't think that's the case anymore. On a good team, it should be. I, I don't. I mean, there's a lot of bad teams, so it might not be the case on a lot the of Yankees. Bad, on a lot of bad teams. On the Yankees, at this point, it's not. But if you'd ask them coming into the season, did they think? They had five really good starters who were as good as anybody they had in the bullpen, and they'd have said yes. See, I, I don't know, because I, I feel before the year even started, you think they thought we knew. Sonny, you think they thought Sonny Gray was going to do this? No, but they also knew before the season started that they were going to add starting pitching at the trade deadline. And that their bullpen is a big advantage. Well, then maybe they should be pitching backwards. Because the, outside of Severino, I don't. You know they're not getting enough out of that rotation. There's too many. You're just not going to win enough games, twelve to ten. And in the postseason, you can't count on it's that. The conversation we had about the Cubs in the postseason. So that's what you're going to do. That's right. the way you're going to win. You're going to add Machado and win twelve to ten. Often does that happen? Did that happen with the Astros? Yeah, they could score. They could score with the best of them, but they won with the starting rotation. Yeah, how'd they win Game Six and Game Seven? How did the Cubs win the World Series? They won yep. with their starting rotation. Yep. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven is the phone number. We have so many national things we have to get to. Lots of Cubs and White Sox issues as well. We will. Uh, we will. You asked me a question off the air before about Schwarber. We'll get to that. Want to get to Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu as well. We will do that after this quick timeout on 670 The Score. Why is Tampa trying to win a game? Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back in on Hit and Run on the Score. It really is, finally. I think that's the first time Eli has played it, and it's been true. It's true. This yeah. year. Yes. Does 90 count as a beautiful day for oh, a ball game? Yes. yes. Why? Because of the over? No, I don't care. I just oh, want it really? to be I want it to be hot. Well, it's gonna be hot. I want it to be hot forever. A hundred would be fine with me. I'm done with cold. Winter is finally over. That's not bad. May twenty seventh. We didn't get a spring. Winter no do we ever anymore. No. That's Joe Ostrowski. I'm Barry Rosner. Uh Joe, you forecast the American League, Mookie Betts as the MVP this year. Yes. Which was a great pick. It's not going to happen because Mike, no, Mike, Mike Trout is doing so Mike. So I'm glad I didn't bet on it. Mike Trout is doing Mike Trout things. Five for five last night, four extra base hits, a homer, four RBI. It's just, you know, I why, can you just, I said this last year, just name the award after him. I mean, just giving him the MVP every year doesn't even seem worth it. Why don't you just name the award for him? Did I mean, you bring it up earlier? Is he? Was it you or someone else? Is he getting better? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I asked yes. you last week if he's getting better. He's getting better. Anyway, Mookie Betts has um, 
37 extra base hits in 48 games. He is on pace for 124 extra base hits, which would be, Joe Ostrowski, the record, the major league record. Here's some names for you. Here's the list of the guys with the most extra base hits in a single year. Babe Ruth, who is like the Babe Ruth of Babe Ruths, is the all-time leader with 119 in 1921. Gehrig with 117 in 27. Barry Bonds with 107 in 2001. Chuck Klein, 107 in 1930. Todd Helton is on the list. Then Albert Bell, Hank Greenberg, Todd Helton, Chuck Klein, Stan Musial, Sammy Sosa, Rogers Hornsby, Jimmy Fox, so on and so forth. Um, Even just getting to 100, there have only been 15 seasons of 100 extra base hits. He's on pace for 124. Okay, listen listen um, to the I I go ahead. Related to to Betts and Trout. I was looking at weighted runs created plus. And for those that don't know, league average is 100. So measure yourself to the rest of the league. Betts is number 1 in baseball. 100 is average. Betts has 212. <laughs> okay? And Trout is second at 208. Third Third, any guesses? Um, Th- there is a drop off, a large drop off. Um, third, what could uh, Machado? He is fifth. Not Jose Abreu. No, he's had no, a big. No, no, no. He's had a big month. Abreu's thirteenth. Um, how about? Oh, how about Ozzy Albies? No. Really? Uh, J.D. Martinez. Fifth. Frankie Lindor? He is, no. Man, I don't I'm even out see of, him. I think I'm out of guesses. National for, League, they are in town playing the Giants. Brandon Belt. My third. guy. That's my guy. Okay, so it He's go, a hit and run uh, hero. I picked him every year in the Fantasy League. It's pissing, finally p- working. Pissing off every every uh, co-host I ever had, including, uh, well, all of them. What if I had like 10 in the... Specifically, Spiegel and Connor McKnight are still very bitter that I would... Uh, that so I it was draft. a long time ago. <laughs> this is my third year. So you're talking about Belt a decade ago. And who was before you? Who was before you on this show? Abatacola? Abatacola. For a couple years. So yeah, we're going so back. a long we're, time. We're going back. Quite a finally got it. So Belts is 172. And Boots, Boots, Betts and Trout boots are, day? are 212 and I bet you never heard of Boots Day. I think he was on the original Expo. It's an unbelievable year he's having. Yeah. Yep. How about Ozzy Albies? Oh, you know what? Wow. Th- this kind of relates to Betts. <laughs> I told you earlier I've got a stat that will upset you. This will do it. Okay. Um, defensive run saved. 13th of outfielders, we have a tie of plus five. It is Mookie Betts, Albert Almora, and Kyle Schwarber. <laughs> All right, look, I just don't want to make fun of, of DRS forever. We had, we had, I'm the, just saying, we, though, sometimes you find things that don't make yeah. a ton of sense. Yeah, that, I mean, you have, you have Mookie Betts and Kyle Schwarber. And, and I was in the same, I, in the same sentence defensively. And I've been giving credit to what Schwarber's done this year, but we also know the missteps. Again, if you watch the games, then you know. 
And what we learned last year about DRS is that it's a human being making the determination. It's not a computerized decision. At the zone it's rating, a, it's, yeah. a, it's a human being watching the game, making the decision on what that play was. So it's not computerized. And I actually like that defensive metric more than others that are available. Well, there have been and some it re- shows that it's not even close to perfect. There have been some really bad ones. But they're trying. They're trying. I'd love for there to be one that we could rely on. Um, speaking of Jose Abreu, uh, he is, uh, he's got 28 extra base hits now, mostly because of, uh, well, how many doubles this month? What's he got, 15 doubles this month, Eli? 15 doubles this month. And uh, an OPS of over 1,000. That's the most doubles in a month ever by a White Sox player, I believe. Is that also correct, Eli? Uh, I, I was going to ask you this, Joe. I think, I think, you know, given his month and what an extraordinary hitter he is, and he is he's just such a good hitter. His numbers are, ju- it, are about the same from his rookie year. He's just such a professional hitter. He continues to be dreadful defensively. Anybody want to sell that to me? You want to keep selling that to me? See, see him drop the ball Friday night? That you was him? horrendous. That cost them a game? That was so bad. That cost them the game Friday night? I'm trying to remember back that far. Yeah, the eighth it's inning. It's a yeah. long time ago. Yeah, it did. They just dropped a pop on the infield. Um, and people get <laughs> mad at you when we bring Always, up the defense. Every time they get mad at me, I say he's terrible defensively. I'm sorry. He's he terrible defensively. He sorry. Wait, I He's heard, terrible. I heard uh, defense at first base doesn't matter, but. Oh, okay. I'll ask a pitcher that. Um, it's uh, it, it's it's bad. He's a DH, but in any case, that that's not why you called. He's he's a really really good hitter, who's probably not going to be here when the Sox are once again competitive. Yeah. So, can you really afford to wait any longer than July thirty first to make the trade? Is my question. And I, we, we've qualified this many times. I've said it many, many times. He, he has, there's a lot of value in what he brings to a clubhouse, given his standing, given where he came from, given the Latin community within that clubhouse that adores him and respects him. And, and uh, the guys that he can teach because of what he's been through. It matters. It matters a lot. Do it now. But, but what value, what incredible value. How many, you know, you know of, the, of the contenders – who are going to be looking for that last at-bat, specifically maybe a DH. Yeah. Wouldn't there be some – I mean, how many better guys will be, be will be out there? How many better guys will be out there at the deadline? The big part is the value of Abreu. If you don't do it at this deadline – it falls off the table, just falls off. Big difference. Uh, we'll talk you, about you, it maybe you, at some point next you hour. Offer him, you offer him two months plus playoffs – Plus another year. Yes, huge. I, I didn't realize which is really that, two playoffs for a good team. I didn't realize because of the Machado conversation, and we were talking about it during the week, and maybe next hour we can get to it. I, I didn't realize how little you get from for some of the best position players as a rental. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that next. We'll get to Tim Anderson as well, and uh, and uh, clean up some of the Cubs conversations that we have yet to finish from earlier in the show. We'll do that next on Hit and Run on the Score. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 